Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Good evening. Welcome to HopeNet Radio tonight with Jeff, myself, and DW Dave Wager from Nicolay Bible Institute. Dave, I cannot believe this, but we're a month in now with shows, and uh, so far we've had some, I think, really good conversations. I feel like every single week it just gets better and better. So for those who are just tuning in for the first time, I want to welcome you to the show and being with us. And as always, you can connect with us on the show with our email. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or get connected on Facebook and Twitter. In the last couple of weeks, we've crossed almost the 800 likes mark on our Facebook page at hopenet 360 and, and that's uh, it. We want to go to a thousand. We're we're on our way to fifty million. That's yeah, right. what I think. So All right, now fifty million. That's the goal. If fifty million and Jeff will buy ice cream sundays for everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a lot of. It, it works for that's little a kids. Lot of ice cream. That, that works for little kids. I, I don't know if that's going to work with our radio audience, but I'm hoping so, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> take them up on that offer. Yeah, kind yeah, of, I, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, joining us again, uh, as has become the norm. Uh, Kyle and Todd are in studio again with us tonight. What is up? Yeah, these guys are rock solid, part of Nicolay Bible Institute, and uh, they've gone through the program and they're just working with the staff and and as interns. And so it's always good to have their perspective on the show, and we want your perspective to be a part of the show as well. So we talk about issues, we talk about a lot of things that may not be discussed in in more social circles, uh, but we we take a faith perspective on life and on uh, situations, things that are happening in our families, things that affect teenagers, young adults, parents, and there's just there's so many voices in today's day and age that are either absolutely wrong or they're skewed in a certain direction or they're politically motivated or whatever, and so we don't want any of that junk. We just want to talk and we, have, we want to have real conversations because, Dave, you and I believe that if, if we have open, genuine, honest conversations, that can open the door for healing and restoration in our relationships and our families in our even with our friends and our peers. So that's Absolutely. really what we do this show for. Absolutely. You know, when you when you look at God and you understand who he is and then you see Satan and you see the battle that's out there, what you see is that one realm, Satan's realm, is pretend, lies, twisting the truth, half truth, sort of truth, kind of Christian, almost Christian. That that's Satan's realm. Mm-hmm. And and when you look at the the church and a lot of young people today, you see lies, perceptions, I mean on the same stuff. And, and so what we have to do is be very careful in recognizing what truth is and then really living within the truth. Because once you start talking the truth, believe it or not, what God says is absolutely right. The truth sets you free. And some of you today, you know, that are listening, some that have been corresponding with us, and we like to play around during the program. Uh, if you're, uh, uh, you know, around a, a computer and you go to Facebook or Twitter or something like that, you know, we're there. So, so let's hear you. Uh, and uh, we'd like to interact with you. Uh, but what we want you to understand is that we want to get like an onion, peel the layers of deception and lies away. And we just want to talk to you about what truth is. 
Uh, I, I might ask Todd and Kyle here a question. Both of you guys have spent time here at Nicolay Bible Institute and uh, spent time in a mentoring relationship. Um, have you really grabbed the idea of how important it is to just be honest and truthful? Yeah, definitely. You have to be truthful if you want a good relationship with anybody. Okay. There's two sides of this, though. And you and I have spent a lot of time together. There's a side of me as an old guy, a mentor kind of guy, looking at you saying, you know, I'm begging you to be truthful with me. What would stop you, Kyle, from being truthful with an older guy that's talking to you? I think embarrassment and shame of um, the things that you've done, the things that I've done, and the way that you would react. I think when I first met you, knowing that you were a person of power um, NBI or Silver Birch Ranch, I was kind of first hesitant to open up because I knew if I st- I don't want him to look at me different with the things I s- I'll say. So I know that that's a struggle for I think just about anybody is you want that respect and you want people to look at you the same way no matter what. And you're afraid of something that you might say or some of the weaknesses that you have. You'll be looked at differently after you share those things with older people. Okay, well take us on a journey there because you and I talk now very openly. How did you get there? Well, when you get to know somebody more and you understand that they want to see you successful, you stop caring about um, the way they'll see you or perceive you because they know they love they you know that they love you no matter what. So all of a sudden, everything that you were afraid of, you're not afraid of anymore because you know that no matter what you say, they're going to take that and try to make you successful with it, okay. not take that and use it against you or hold it against you in any way. Hey, let me ask you this: you know, I want Todd to jump in here too, but did you? Did you find um, that when you told me uh, something that you thought I'd be shocked by that I was shocked? No, I don't think you were ever shocked. I think there was times where you were maybe surprised. I don't think you were ever like, wow, that's not – holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Or why would you tell me that? I think that you – every single time you handle it like you've heard it several times before, you handled it like you, sh- like you should handle it. Okay. Uh, Todd, how, how about you? Uh, how In a relationship with an older guy like myself or – or um, with Jeff or mm-hmm. anyone else. How how'd you get to where you could trust? I think just spending time with you and with Jeff and just um, older people like my dad. Um, I think what it comes down to is in a relationship like that, just like sharing the gospel, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so being able to spend that time learning that I can trust you um, – that's, I think, a big key to it because, I mean, get, opening up to share, I mean, everybody struggles with the same things. We're all human. I mean, like you've said before um, when we've met, it's like really you'd be surprised if I'm not struggling with a lot of the same things that everybody else does because we're all human. Exactly. Um, so I think it's just for me, it's spending that time to realize that you care yeah. before I care how much you know or the insight that you'd be able to have into my life. So Yeah, here's, here's what I want our listeners to hear. You know, really, in life, you really need to have someone in your life that's older that really does love you and that loves God, and you need to go talk to them. And, and, you, and you have to not believe that you'll shock them by telling them exactly what you're thinking. Uh, they've thought that way too, I promise, and, and you're not going to shock them. It, it's the same thing that happened with me and God. You met, you know, one day I'm sitting and I'm praying and I'm thinking, should I tell God about this sin in my life? It, you know, <laughs> as if he doesn't know. That's what I mean. I mean, but we do that. You know, should I should I trust him with this one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and when I when I tell him, it's not like God goes, "Are you kidding me? You you did what? What a loser!" You know, yeah. it, it didn't happen that way. Well, 
I think the thing that's missing in relationships just person to person is that until we have a recognition of who God is and we understand what it truly means to live in grace and mercy, the world doesn't offer that stuff. The world, the world itself and the way that the system is built is if you have a defect, you're looked down upon, you're, you're cast out because you're imperfect and it's more of a power gain than it is. A wanting a relationship and, and wanting restoration. Our world isn't wired in a way there's something wrong when we can look at it and, and we can see the evils that are going on in our world. It's it's not a gracious world that we live in. It's not a mercy-filled world that we live in. It's it's a destructive world in a lot of ways. The habits, the lifestyles, the things that we surround ourselves with and the stuff we look to gain and, and accomplishments. And, uh, you know, so I think it's I think it's very unique in our setting, Dave, and to be able to have these guys openly share about stuff that they've gone through or struggled with is something that not a lot of people would want to go to their boss or a a mentor of theirs, I guess, and, and say, I'm really struggling with this and actually spend time and have those kind of conversations. There's two sides of this. And I want our listeners to really hear this. There's really two sides. There's the side of uh, Todd and there's the side of Kyle, they're younger and, and, what they need to do is be willing to talk to somebody who's older. They mm-hmm. need to be willing. And the older person needs to understand they can't live in a pretend world either. You know, if a young man comes to me and says, you know, I'm struggling with lust, I, you know, my first response shouldn't be, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not my response. My response is welcome to manhood. I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because we need to deal with that. That's not something that makes you an idiot or a loser or anything else. It makes you human. Uh, I was talking to a young man recently, and the thing he said that helped him the most is we were talking about lust. And I said, well, I said to him, do do you think Jesus ever lusted? And he said, no, he couldn't have. He's Jesus. You're right, he didn't. And I said, why not? I don't know. Because Jesus would never use somebody. And in order to lust, you need to be willing to use somebody. Oh, Hmm. you know what? A, A few weeks later, I was talking to him again. He goes, you know what, that hasn't left me, and I've quit looking at pornography, and I've quit. I, I don't want to be somebody that uses somebody. See, that's all. Yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is when, when we talked about it, he didn't yell at me. He didn't say, oh, no, I didn't yell at him. I didn't say, what is wrong with you? I'm taking a computer, throw it off of, you know, the Empire State Building. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't do that. I said, you know what? Yeah, I understand the problem. And the reason I think that's so important is because when I come to God, I am convinced of something as a child of his. First, I'm convinced that he actually knows what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced he still loves me. And I'm also convinced that he is out for my success. And because of that, I can rest and listen to him. And, and I give him everything on my heart. It is important that you give God, start there, everything on your heart. He's older than you. He's smarter than you. He loves you. You can trust him. And then find an older mentor. Mm-hmm. If you're young, position yourself so that you can be a good mentee. If you're an older person, Position yourself so that somebody can talk to you and you don't jump off bridges. I mean, it's very important that we start that dialogue. And, Jeff, you've been working with young people all your life. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that's what we need to go to. And that's what we're doing here on this program. Yep, that's what we need. And, unfortunately, there are ways, there are times when you can look out in our culture and wonder who that person could be in your life. Because there are people that, if you're going to trust somebody, you're going to open up on these deeper levels and talk about stuff that is really going on. You need that trust. And so there is a fear that either this person's going to use it against me, you know. So it's it's knowing the right person to do that. And 
So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue this conversation. And I'm excited, too. Andrew Schraub is going to be joining us later on the show tonight. So uh, we have some really good, some really good stuff coming. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Uh, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight, it's good to be with you. Again, get in on the conversation tonight on the show. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or give us a shout-out on Twitter, on Facebook, send us a message. Your comments and questions are always welcome on the show. So, Dave, we got an email in, and I want you to read this this email that we received in at hope at hopenet360.com. Uh, I think it's relevant to many of parents, young adults, college students, teenagers in school, um, kids in general. But uh, read this, this email here. All right. It says, I am behind. I have a problem with procrastination. I know we just started school, but I already feel overwhelmed. What do I do? Well, that's very interesting. Feel overwhelmed with what? You know what? Let me ask Kyle something, because I think Kyle went through this uh, last year, actually. Not maybe the same question, but the same process. Kyle, you remember um, last year we were talking a little bit about you, you're having trouble sometimes sleeping and that kind of thing? And yes. yes it, I do what remember. did we have to do to correct some things? What, what were some helpful things? I know it doesn't correct it completely, but what are some things that were helpful to you um, in the process of getting to where you could rest but still get your work done? Because it's all related, yeah. and I'll pull it together for people yeah. in a minute. Okay. Oh, yeah. So so from last year, last year, and I have a sleeping disorder, some kind of sleeping disorder. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I really struggle sleeping at, at night. Um, me and Dave talked a lot about – Dave was my mentor, and that was one of the main things that we talked about because I really was not getting much sleep. Um, one of the things that he had told me, and which is really it, – it, it has helped. I still struggle with sleeping, but it has helped is scheduling out your day. Um I think us as people, just as human beings, we struggle with the thought that we could be missing out on something. Um, so we, when we don't schedule our day and something comes up, we say, well, I can do my homework later. I can do this later. I want to hang out with my friends now, and then I'll come back and I'll do my homework later. Because we have no set time. That's usually okay in our heads, and we usually say, well, I can do this later. But then something else comes up, and then something else comes up, and then something else comes up. So what I started doing, which Dave, Dave kind of encouraged me to do, which was a huge help, was to set my day out. So I had classes from on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 to 3, so I would schedule that out. I Obviously, I'm going to be in classes. And then afterwards, I would say from, say, uh, 3 to 5, I'll read. And now, now that I say that from 3 to 5, I'm going to read no matter what I'm reading. So no matter what, if people are playing basketball, people are doing this, people are doing that, that's my reading time. Non-negotiable. So I'm going to do that unless something huge emergency comes up. But that's – and then you would you would plan your day accordingly and you'd plan your schedule and you'd say, I, OK, maybe you could give yourself two hours in a day to do whatever you would like or like go on, on, online or go play basketball or hang out with your friends. That's fine, but schedule it. So that way when you're done with your day, you'll have all your work done. You'll have still hung out with your friends. It's all about time management and keeping a schedule. And then for me, once I was ready to go to bed – I was like, okay, I have everything done. I don't really yeah, have to he wasn't overwhelmed things. anymore. I mean, I still struggled with sleeping at times, but it was like, 
I don't have to worry about anything. I have it all done. I scheduled it. And then I would do that. I would try to do that every for every day. And once that was once I had a, a structure going and it's something going, it was it was so much easier to get all my work done and get things done. So I mean that might help for people who have struggled with procrastinating. I yeah, really what? empathize really empathize with this email uh, because I myself have been in times I've been a habitual procrastinator because I know in my head it's it's usually a mind thing. It's like I can get this done later, just like what you said, Kyle. I can do it then and and get it done and. And I honestly, I work well under pressure. It's interesting, but like yeah. deadlines inspire me. So what if you move the <laughs> deadline up? Right. But at the same time, like in the back of my mind, it's it's the same thing. It's you yeah. can set your microwave clock four minutes ahead. Yeah. And you know, it's four minutes ahead. Yeah, well, so you're playing it to the second. Th- there was a word he used overwhelmed in there. And, and, and the reason I went to that story with Kyle was because when you lay down at night, if you haven't scheduled life. What you're doing is all the things that need to be done start flying through your head. Yeah. And, and you're thinking, I'll never get it done. i got to think about this. i got to think about that. If you do schedule, your brain goes, it's cared for. Go to sleep. You know, and, and that's the difference right there. You're not overwhelmed anymore. Um, and not only that, there's a book out by a, a doctor that used to be a doctor in Wisconsin, actually. And uh, it's called Margin. And, and all he said was a very simple premise. He's not a, not a doctor anymore, but he realized something. He said, you know, we don't have, I don't care what your coaches say, you don't have 110% energy, so you can't give it to them. You only have 100. You, you only have 100% finances. You only have 100% emotional energy. You only have 100%. Now, what he realized was anybody who uses 100% all the time doesn't have anything left when they need to have it called on. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, he said that in, in life, if you're going to be healthy, you want to put margin in your life. So make sure that you're scheduling life so that you have the sleep you should. Schedule life so that you do the, you know, our, our classes here, I, I tell the students, you should schedule this much time outside of class so you never feel the pressure of having to do a lot of homework all at once. You know, schedule it. Well, you're a procrastinator, Jeff. You know how that works. Yeah. No, I got them all, I got to, you know, it's not due till Friday and it's, it's Wednesday. Yeah. You know, well, you know what? <laughs> I, I, all of a sudden, you're going to be in here on Friday. Your eyes are going to be bleary because you're going to say, well, I waited last minute and I want to do this and my friends did this. And, and now you're in a crisis where if you would have given yourself margin. Uh, when I was in college, I learned that. And basically, if there was a test, a, a paper due on Friday, I wanted it done on Monday. And that way, if something came up, I could still get it done on Tuesday. And I still wasn't under pressure uh, you know, to get it done. And, and a lot of my friends are saying, you got it done already? Yeah, well, you know, it's Thursday night, it's due on Friday, it's midnight. I got to work all night. I'm thinking, fool. I mean, that's <laughs> that's your problem. Procrastinators yeah. you know, uh, unite yeah. tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. But I, I do think the overwhelming part, that's what I'm concerned about as an older guy. I'm looking at saying you really could work with uh, making a schedule better so you're not overwhelmed. Yep. And then and then you can look and actually look at where your time's going and see if that can be helpful. And it's important to know and you know, for me, being a, a procrastinator, I don't struggle with it as much, It's, but it's something you have to be consciously aware of. It's it's when you begin to live intentionally versus accidentally. Right. I think that's when it comes in as you realize that whether whether you like it or not, you have to actually get into some kind of routine. And so I, I totally agree with you, Dave. That's something that's helped me a lot is to actually rough out a schedule. Now, the perfectionist in me is what kills me, too. Because there's a perfectionist side that says, if I can't do it perfect, what's the point of doing it? Yeah. So you get to be a frustrated perfectionist. Right. Oh, man, that's terrible. It is. And it'll paralyze you. Right. And if you don't hone in on it, if you don't own up to that, 
and just start to put things into action, you're going to get there. I mean, you can't have the expectation it's going to be perfect, right. but for someone like me, I want it to be perfect. So I want to work as hard as I can to make it perfect. And sometimes that just becomes a detriment. Right. So realize that you can do so much if you rely on God's strength to do it. If you can take on some, again, the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruit, of the, part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And, uh, and that's th- where the discipline comes in. And that's the hardest thing I think for us to really hone in is the act of discipline and being responsible and, and living life intentionally. So you're struggling with procrastination tonight. Again, our coaching lines are open. Go to hopenet360.com. Talk with a live coach. And uh, maybe tonight you just need to kick in the pants. I'm sure our coaches can do that for you. So there you go. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick Don't break tonight. Get there now. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Get on right now. Hopenet360.com. So we're gonna take a break here in the conversation. Coming up in the next part of our conversation tonight, we'll be chatting with Andrew Schwab of the Christian rock band Project 86. He's gonna be coming to the Green Bay area in less than a week. So we'll talk about that. We'll also hear about what he's doing besides music. So you're not going to want to miss this interview. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight joining us in studio is Andrew Schwab, the lead singer of the band Project 86. Having developed a unique platform with his band and through his writing for outlets such as Relevant, AP, Time Life, Charisma, and CCM, along with his own blog and four other books, Andrew writes with a heart for a generation of lost and purposeless young adults, specifically young men. After working in church ministry for six years and touring with his band for many years, Andrew has been immersed in a world of hurting men and has seen firsthand what challenges they face. So, hey, Andrew, welcome to the show tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so that's a little bit of your kind of your resume, I guess. And uh, I guess we're kind of curious, our listeners tonight, who is this Andrew Schwab? Well, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh I guess uh, I'm someone, from a faith standpoint, I guess that's relevant. Um, I'd say from a faith standpoint, I became a Christian, a born-again Christian when I was a junior in high school uh, in the 90s, which was some time ago. And uh, I was raised Catholic, so I was familiar with with the Church growing up, um, but when I became a teenager, I wanted nothing to do with it, um, mainly for another reason than I just thought it was was boring to give— give up my Sunday mornings and Saturday nights, and I would rather, you know, hang out with my friends on Saturday nights and be able to sleep in on Sunday mornings, but um, it turned out, my junior year, I moved to a new school um, in Southern California with my family. Actually, we moved across country, so it was quite a bit of culture shock. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, and I ended up living in Orange County, California, which is where I, I still live, and, you know, as far as the U.S. goes, you can't really pit, pinpoint to more culturally opposite areas. So it was a pretty shocking change for me. And the first person that I met, this is actually a story that's in my book. First person I met the first day of school, I, I kind of went into it assuming I was going to have no social life and make no friends. Because, you know, as you know, it, you know, if you change schools midway through your junior year, like all the cliques, all the, you know, sports teams, all the classes, everything is already pretty much set. All yep. the prom dates, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
I, re- I really didn't think, I, you know, I was going to do anything, you know, out here for the rest of my high school tenure except be a loner, you know. And, and it turned out the first day of school, I was, it was actually between classes and the guidance counselor's aide aid was showing me around and this guy walks up to me and he just puts out his hand and immediately I thought it was strange, like there was something weird going on, you know, I, I guess my gut instinct was to think the guy was like a Jehovah's Witness or selling Amway or something, you know what I mean? And then, uh, as it turned out, he just was saying hi and asked me if I was new to the school, to which I said yes, and invited me out to lunch. And um, a long story short, uh, I ended up meeting a bunch of people that day, making a bunch of friends. There were a group of Christians um, who were actually trying to live it out, who went to a, a home Bible study every Friday night and kind of sacrificed partying and doing what typical high school kids do, I guess. And I was pretty intrigued by it, you know, just kind of by their their realness and their love for one another and ended up just closing my eyes and just saying, hey, God, if you're real, you know, I kind of want this in my life, whatever this is. And when I opened my eyes, I knew that I, would, I had been changed. And I kind of just, I went home that night. And my, I think my parents were in bed watching television and I like, you know, smashed open their door and have my fist in the air like I had just fought in a war or something and just made it home. But, I, you know, I just announced, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. I, think I, definitely, I definitely freaked them out and, and uh, continue to freak them out the further I went on. But, um, yeah, I always tell people if it wasn't for small, kind acts of faith that are a genuine just result of remaining in the vine or we're just remaining close to Jesus, you know, if it wasn't for, for that in my life, I wouldn't be a Christian. And that's the power that, he, that each Christian has to affect other people's lives on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. That's so awesome. As far as, I mean, my story has kind of flowed from that. You know, I started playing in this band as a result of being a Christian, which you know got me involved in a church where I met the guys that would take me to shows where I would meet other guys to start a band with. Through being in this band, I eventually met my wife. And uh, she was actually working uh, in the music industry on the business side at the time. So, you know, we connected and, you know, and, you know, you asked about my family right now. I, you know, we've been married almost five years and we have two kids. We just, our first, uh, our daughter is named Ella. She's almost three. And uh, our second, Nolan, was born a little over a month ago. That's cool. We have a growing family and uh, uh, we're definitely... Allison and I, my wife, are definitely very involved in ministry as well as music in the music industry on various levels. We lead a pretty exciting life in Southern California, and we're very fortunate and blessed to do the things that we do for a living on a full-time basis. And, uh, you know, I'm very blessed and fortunate for the ways that God's given me a voice and an opportunity to just share my stories and the stories of other people I've come across and the context of faith to hopefully, you know, say some things in a unique way that, you know, that blesses people. Yeah, that's cool. So you have a book called The Tin Soldiers. It uh, came out last year. And uh, so I'm, I'm interested in what brought you to the point. I mean, this isn't the first book you've written. You've written a few other books. But this one in particular sounds more like a kind of a devotional. Tell us a little bit about The Tin Soldiers. What inspired you to write the book? And what what is a tin soldier? That's a good question. The inspiration for the book uh, was really just hundreds, if not thousands, of conversations that I've had while kind of, you know, traveling through um, not only the music industry, but just, you know, Christian culture itself, you know, the last decade and a half. And really primarily uh, speaking with guys, you know, whether it's, you know, guys who are in their teens 
all the way up to guys who are, you know, uh, young adults and married men, dads. Um, it, I seem to be having the same conversations over and over again about what guys are dealing with and have been dealing with, you know, the last 10 years or so. Um, and everything from, you know, pornography to, you know, addictions, different addictions, you know, alcoholism or, you know, just genuinely, um, you know, the phenomenon of guys leading double lives, you know, having the, the life that they present, you know, to, you know, maybe their spouse or their friends or their church, and then their private life, which, you know, for, for many guys is a mess. And uh, these are Christian guys, guys that maybe have come up in the church or who have been Christians for a while and, and uh, are just having a hard time with various, various issues. Hmm. So I wanted to write a book for those guys or for guys that, you know, maybe are needing some encouragement, some spiritual direction. That's another big issue that I've come across is that, you know, guys these days aren't growing up or at least are growing, putting off growing up for a very long time, and that's sort of a function of a lot of different things that are involved in our culture. Um, but um, this sort of like man-child or extended uh, adolescence syndrome <laughs> is mm-hmm. something that is addressed in the book as well. So I tried to pick the 10, I don't know, biggest areas of struggle, for lack of a better word, that guys today are dealing with. And I wanted to address them in such a way that isn't like all of the other quote-unquote men's books out there, because, mm-hmm. you know, in doing research for this book, and I started actually writing this book eight years ago, I went to a few different bookstores. I went to, like, some mainstream bookstores as well as some Christian bookstores. Now, one thing I noticed is that, quote-unquote, men's books um, don't exist uh, in any sort of, like, younger voice. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. men's books are written for 50-year-olds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's yep. nothing for, for guys that are younger adults, at least written by um, Christian figures that have any sort of, like, again, younger voice, a little yep. bit more... A contemporary take on how they speak. Yeah, that totally um, makes sense. I, That's cool. I, I I really do appreciate that. I know for me, growing up as a teen, there really weren't a lot of, at bookstores. There really, I mean, there were devotionals, but they often sign. Oftentimes, they seem like they were watered down. I don't know if you've seen that or you've you've come across them, but it it is hard finding really good material uh, for guys. Personally, like just as a dude, as a guy, you know, I, I don't want to read you know, a book that's like a bunch of Christians speak about, you know, why I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that. I would rather read a book from someone who's been where I've been or is currently going through what I'm going through and just doesn't pull any punches and just kind of calls things as they are and talks about spiritual things in a practical sort of real life kind of way. That's always been my approach with my own personal relationship with Jesus and my own personal ministry. So, All right, we're going to take a quick break with Andrew, and we're going to play some music and come back again. You can email us anytime during the show tonight, hope at hopenet360.com, or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter as well. There's more with Andrew when we come back, so stick around and keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. 
Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight we're chatting with Andrew Schwab, the lead singer of Project 86, and author of the book, The Ten Soldiers. And uh, so, Andrew, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about The Ten Soldiers. And I'm interested to know, what is this Ten Soldier? Where did this come from? And uh, what inspired you to use this as your title of your latest book? I, I noticed there was a big hole and a big need um, to speak into guys' lives, lives in sort of a more real way that is devoid of, like, Christianese and things like that. Um, People just thought your dad was going to teach that stuff, right? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I've been talking about this uh, on my blog quite a bit as well. I mean, it's addressed in the book, but there's a, I do a blog for Patheos, as well as I have a website that's just um, thetinsoldiers.com, which they all sort of tie together and, and contain you know, different material that sort of addresses these topics. But I, I've been hosting some conversations on the Patheos blog with various, you know, Christian figures, a lot of them, um, are other figures in the music industry. I know one I did recently with a friend of mine, his name is Matty Montgomery. He plays in a band called Four Today. And we were talking about, you know, why, why are guys putting off having a family? Why are guys so afraid of growing up and afraid mm-hmm. of, of doing the things that previous generations, you know, embraced and didn't question? Yep. You know, and, and one of the, uh, one of the conclusions we both sort of came to is that culture as a whole, has sort of embraced this idea that men can try on adulthood without the consequences of trying it on. So that's what adolescence is. Yeah. You get to try on being a man without actually facing any of the responsibility that a man has to face. So, you know, a couple of dec- decades ago, that was supposed to end at 18 or maybe 22 when you graduate college. But now <laughs> it's gotten pushed back to like, oh, guys, I know they're 30 and still living at home with their parents, mm-hmm. you know, and still like, you know, behaving as if they're children. And so, you know, these are just some of the issues that we confront, but, you know, that's a big one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested, though, what does it mean to be a tin soldier? I mean, is this a good thing, or what? where did this title come from? Well, the term itself uh, was inspired by C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and he makes a reference and draws a parallel between uh, the idea of a tin soldier or, you know, just pick a, a child's toy, you know, he chose a tin soldier, and he draws a parallel between God's, you know, relationship with us in his attempt or desire to make us into real living creatures from dead men or from pieces of metal, you know, and, you know, he, he kind of puts it this way. He says, you know, what if you could bring your toys to life? Uh, how would they respond? Well, if you had a, a tin soldier, um, he would probably respond by resisting you. In fact, he would probably think you're killing him because he doesn't know what it means to be a real flesh-and-bone little man. Hmm. All he knows how to be is metal. Yeah. So he's going to fight you every step of the way, and that's kind of how we respond to God um, in his attempts to mature us into the men that he wants us to be. We resist them every step of the way. Why? Because we're scared and we're frightened of the unknown. Hmm. And because we don't understand what he's doing. Um, so the book kind of, that's kind of the theme of the book and how he, you know, wants to meet us where we're at in all of our issues and, and change us in spite of them and mm-hmm. through them. That's cool. Uh, so on the show, Dave and I talk about our need as men for security and significance, two really big words. And not only we need security, we need 
significance in our life, but that we're also, if we're a husband or we're a father, we need to provide those things for our family. And when you go around and you speak to different groups and, and when you talk and you have conversations with other guys, do you find that there are a lot of guys who struggle to find those things, security and significance in today's world? Security and significance are two great buzzwords. And I think, you know, those, those are very accurate terms. Um, those two words specifically are things that guys are both missing and are in very much need of. Um, when you speak of security, you know, the first thing that pops in my head when I think of that word is is my own son. Um, when I hold him, you know, um, my wife just noticed this, you know, the other day. Um, whenever I hold my son, you know, like if I'm laying down on the bed and I put him on my chest, he falls asleep, mm-hmm. you know. And we were just kind of talking about it, laughing about it, and I'm just like, every time you hold him, he falls asleep. Mm-hmm. My wife just said to me yesterday, you know what, you know why he probably falls asleep? is like he feels secure when you're holding him because you're like, you have a big voice and you're you're a bigger person <laughs> and stronger and you have bigger arms. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. he's he's feeling like protected and comforted and like he is safe. You know what I mean? Yep. And in the context of that, um, and applying that to kind of like this generation of men who were boys, you know, twenty, twenty five years ago, you know, um, a lot of us grew up with um dysfunctional homes, broken families, divorce, and our very foundational notion of security just in who we are as people, you know, has been taken away from us largely in uh, emerging generations. So you're you're seeing that void in the lives of an alarming amount of young men today. Hmm. Um, when you talk about significance, it actually relates to security. So what is the opposite of security? It's insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. So when you don't have an inherent sense of security, which comes largely from your family relationships your, with your parents and your siblings, in your formational years, the result is insecurity on a very foundational level. And when someone is insecure and does not have that from their immediate family, they will seek out validation in the form of significance Mm -hmm. from other sources. So you also see a generation of people, and young men especially, who are looking to be validated because they feel insecure. And a lot of them, that just manifests itself in the search for approval from strangers, i.e. the seeking out of some sort of recognition publicly. Fame is a good word for that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's a great question. I actually wrote a book previous to the Ten Soldiers that talks about our culture's obsession with fame and how Christ actually wants to heal our our church-wide fixation on it. Hmm. That's awesome. So I want to touch just a little bit while we have a couple minutes left with you, Andrew, and, and talk a little bit about this upcoming event, uh, the Ten Soldiers event at the Cup of Joy on Saturday, October 12th. Uh, this is at 9.30, and I want you just to give a little bit of a taste on what you know what people can expect to come out Saturday, October 12th, to this event. Well, first off, i got to plug my band's show the night before as well at Cup of Joy. Uh, so on <laughs> Friday night, October 11th, Project 86, my band is playing a show. It's only our second time playing at Cup of Joy, and the last time we were there, we had a packed house, and it was a blast. Awesome. Um, if you're free that night and you want to come out and hear some rock and roll, um, we'd love for you to join us. The show starts at 7.30. Um, and then the following morning at 9.30, uh, I'm hosting a Tin Soldiers event, which is 
really just the physical manifestation of this book, um, which is the, the, the ministry that I started for men. Uh, basically, I wanted to at least begin hosting across the country. I've had the opportunity to start doing this more and more recently as the book has come out and has gained some momentum. Um, the purpose of these events is to bring guys together in such a way that they can take their gloves off. And when I say take the gloves off, I want it to be almost like Fight Club meets AA. Uh, I want it to be a situation where guys want to be there. This isn't your typical stale men's group, you know, where we use Christianese again. This is where we'll come together and we're going to uh, we're going to compete a little bit. I'm setting up a beanbag toss tournament. We'll have some prizes. We'll have some food together, some snacks at least, and some coffee. And uh, we'll we'll do some things that guys don't normally do. We'll talk about the issues that really matter in our lives in the context of anonymity with one another. Um, one of the, the required admissions at the door is that what happens in the tin soldiers stays in the tin soldiers. So mm-hmm. everyone can feel safe and comfortable in sharing whatever they're bringing to the table, knowing that it's not going to pass beyond those doors and that they can just be themselves. We're going to do some worship together. We're going to have some small groups. I'm going to do a message. Um, but it's going to be a little bit less um, orthodox than what you might think of from your typical uh, men's group, and that's kind of the goal. Cool. And so that event, obviously the concert the night before on Friday, October 11th at 7.30 at the Cup of Joy, and then Saturday morning, uh, October 12th at 9.30 at the Cup. It's going to go until about noon or so, and this is a great father-son event if you want to come on out and just be a part of it. There's no cost. You could bring a free will offering to give, you know, give a couple bucks or a few bucks, or just bless the socks off them and write them a, a really good sizable check so they can keep doing these events around the country. So make sure you get there early. You can find the details at hopenet360.com. Just check our calendar or you can go to cupofjoy.com. And while you're there, you can purchase an early bird pass, which will allow you to get in a little bit early and maybe meet the band and all that good stuff. So uh, check that out as well, cupofjoy.com. So thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us tonight on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. You guys are doing great work over there, and, and uh, I'm just I'm glad you had me on. All right, cool. Andrew Schwab from Project 86 and author of the book called The Tin Soldiers. All right, we're going to take a break and play some music. Keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Good to be with you tonight. Thanks for joining us again. Remember, you can email us anytime during the show, hope at hopenet360.com. And uh, we're also on Facebook. Dave and I are on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with you. So message us your thoughts, your comments. And uh, we just had a phenomenal interview with Andrew Schwab, and so I wanted just to take some time. And uh, first, I want to read an email because I think this really does lead in um, to what I really want to talk about this in this segment to really discuss some of the things that guys struggle with. But overall, this as as humans, we have this ten men syndrome, not necessarily as a man, but just this shell that we we live in. So uh, there's an email from Abaya that came in. And she writes and says, here's a question. Uh, My friend's dad just committed suicide recently. I am not sure if he was a believer or not. 
How do we comfort people who don't know if their loved ones did accept Christ or not? And now it's too late to know in any death, but especially in a suicide case. So interesting question. And uh, I'm sure that you're not the only person that's wrestling with that question of bias. So, uh, Dave, I want to give you just some some moments just to share your initial thoughts on this. this is a pretty big question. You know what? I, I would like to uh, just say that anybody who experiences in their life a family member who commits suicide, it's a very, very tough moment to go through. And and feeling bad about that kind of thing does not make you strange or odd or anything. It makes you very normal. Um, to ask questions is something that we do and we should do. Uh, sometimes people feel guilty if they question why something happened or how something happened. They feel guilty because we're not supposed to question God. Uh, let me assure you of this, of all, um, I, I don't want to use the word people, but of all the people in the universe, uh, and God's not a people, I understand, he can handle you. Mm-hmm. So let him have it. Talk to him directly. And, and what you'll find is as you talk to God, you'll find out uh, that uh, you'll talk yourself right out of believing lies oftentimes because you know you're talking to somebody. That, that's if you know God. And a biased question is, you know, how do you comfort somebody? Well, you know, first and foremost, we realize that um, this life is, if you love somebody, uh, you're going to have a lot of pain. Uh, life is full of pain if you love. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, for example, when you love somebody, they're going to be sick, they're going to be hurt, they're going to die someday. The, the only way you cannot feel that pain is to not love. And, 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 the different, and you need that pain in your life because that's what we would call good pain. When I used to play football in, in, in college and hockey, uh, there were times where I got injured, like most of the time. And when you were getting rehabbed, the trainers would try and distinguish between good pain and bad pain. And believe it or not, there was good pain. There were some things you had to go through in order to get better. Uh, love is one of those things that does bring you pain, and it brings you pain on different fronts, and it's worth every bit of pain that you get. Now, when somebody commits suicide, there's obviously something that uh, did not work. They did not understand God's plan. They did not understand at the moment um, God's mercy or his grace, whatever it might be. And it, what I like to do is focus in on what that person right now would be thinking and not what they were thinking right before they killed themselves. Because right now there's a reality in their life, it, whatever it is. And, and you know what? You, you, don't, you, you aren't in God's family because you're perfect, and you're not in God's family because you, you don't uh, commit sins. You are in God's family because he's rich in mercy. And, and there are people, I believe, that will be in heaven who have committed suicide because they, they, they have made a mistake and they've made a, a mistake at the end of their life where they, where they committed suicide. But some people will, will tell you possibly that suicide is the, the way that you for sure will be in hell. And yeah. I believe that's a heresy. I do not believe that the Bible teaches that even close. No. So we need to understand that the suicide in and of itself is not a determiner of their eternal destiny. That was already determined yeah. before their death, right. and, and it is determined by Jesus Christ. So, so we can't judge that one way or the other, uh, and that's very important to understand. Uh, the, the second thing is you need to focus on, here's where the comfort comes, you need to focus on what that person might be telling you now that they see what they see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you want to focus on. Yep. It's kind of like the rich man in Lazarus. Remember, uh, there was a rich man. And, uh, and he had everything, and one day he died, and Lazarus was a beggar, and he died. Mm-hmm. Lazarus was the one that ended up being in God's presence, and the rich man was not. But both of them were in an afterlife, and they both had a message. They wanted to tell the people back here something. 
and, 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 the, and the rich man, all he wanted to do was come back and tell his brothers that God was real and they need mm. to respond to him. Yeah. And so uh, here's how I would comfort her. I, I would go to her and say, you know what? I, here's what I know your loved one would want you to hear right now. And I would turn to that passage, regardless of where they are, here's what, they, here's what I know. They, and, you know, my dad, who loved God, was a pastor, did a bunch of great stuff in life for, for young people. I think he would want me to have the same message that the, this man who committed suicide would have. You need to love God. You need to walk with him. You need to, and, and that's how we comfort people. We can't comfort people with speculation. Speculation leads to lies and perceptions, and we can get in trouble. I, is that, right. Jeff, make sense? Yeah, I agree. I, I think the most practical advice that I could give anybody who's dealing with loss of a loved one, whether it's through suicide or it's just you know, losing a grandpa, an uncle, an aunt, uh, even a brother or sister by accident. I mean, death is a part of our life. And so when you're when you're walking with somebody through these deep waters, it's really important that we take more time to listen than we do to talk. Sometimes just them talking, getting them thinking about the the events that have happened to allow the grief to to take place. Oftentimes people will resist allowing the grief process to happen. They will try to stuff it, they'll put it in, you know, part of their memory that they just want to repress, and that's not a healthy way to deal with grief. And it's really important that if we're walking with someone, we listen, we don't judge. There's a lot of, there could be a lot of anger that comes out in, in death and you might, it might get ugly, but I, I just want to assure you, if you're able to be in a position where someone is willing to be open and honest and have those angry, maybe lashing out words like, God, why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? I don't understand this. Is God even real? Why would he allow, why would a good God allow this to happen? Sometimes you just need to have those things. Job had those things. We've talked about this on the show before. So I just encourage you, listen more than you can talk. Allow them to let the grief out. Don't judge them. You know, knowing that eventually God is just going to do something that only he can do. He can change hearts and all that. So um, be there and be willing to listen to him. And so sometimes I think Christians mess that up or people in general mess that up because we, we want to have the answers. We want to you know give them we maybe an assurance that's not there. We, we want to pretend like everything's okay. It, it is okay to be broken up and hurt by the fact that somebody you love is not with you. Remember, death is a reality, like Jeff said, but it's a reality because of our sin. And, and one day God is going to heal that whole thing. And those who actually are in his family, you're never going to experience that again. You're never going to experience separation. You know, before my mom died, that was one of the things she was really hoping for, is that really that, that Christ would even come back before she died because she hated this separation piece by piece thing. Yeah. And, and, and here's the hope that came from that, though. She understood that one day we wouldn't be separated again. She just wanted it sooner rather than later. Yeah. And, and that's really, there is hope. Uh, there is great hope if you're a child of the king. If you're not a child of the king, if you are wondering... And, and you're wondering if you are in God's family, would you please contact us and give us an opportunity to talk to you about that? Yep. We, we would love to do that because you can be sure that you're in God's family. You really can. And if you're not in God's family during these devastating times, and if your family's not in God's family, I mean, during these devastating times, mm -hmm. you don't have a place to turn for hope. But if you are in God's family, there is tremendous hope. So, so if you're hopeless, if you really are not a God's family, please give us the opportunity to talk to you about this. Yeah, and you can go to HopeNet360.com and chat with a live coach. And there's one waiting to talk to you, especially if you've been going through a state of grief and uh, maybe loss, a loss of a loved one. You could be touched by suicide. Maybe you've just not dealt with some of these feelings before and allowed them to come out. So, you know, it's interesting in this, this email, middle-aged men 
are at the highest risk. They are the highest demographic for completed suicide statewide, even nationally. And um, that's it's 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 a sobering statistic. And so we're even saying it's if you're thinking about that, suicide is not okay. You know, it's there. There's there's no reason to give up. I mean, God has given you hope and he's given you life. And there are going to be struggles. There are going to be hard times. We talk about these things. But the reality is, is God can sustain you through anything. And he has a plan. As long as you have breath of this earth, he has a plan. And so it's our responsibility, especially as men, myself, I'm not a middle-aged man. But I'm also not a young so much man. I'm kind of in the middle, I guess. Uh, it would make you middle aged, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know what this yeah. is, but I, it's the middle I, middle age. Yeah, he's the middle, kind of the younger middle age. I haven't hit my crisis yet, okay, yeah. guys. Um, but the reality is, is there is still hope, and hopefully tonight, if you're going through something, you'll take some time and chat with a live coach. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about Andrew's comments when we come back. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. Been a good chat so far, and you can get involved on the conversation yet tonight. Email us, hope at HopeNet360.com. I feel like I've been saying that for the last month. And I have, and uh, it is our in our first month. I feel like it's Groundhog Radio, Groundhog Radio program. But you know, you've got to hear it enough to actually get to register in your brain. So email us hope at hopenet360.com or connect with us on Facebook at hopenet360 or on Twitter as well. Send us a direct message or just mention us and uh, let us know what your questions are, your thoughts. Maybe a random interesting quote that you read this week um, or just, you know, a really deep thing you have going on. Uh, I do want to say just next week uh, we will be airing the Dear Me letters. So um, we have a lot of letters to read and I'm excited for that. So, uh, Dear me. But we've been looking forward to this. This is where people have written in letters either to their future selves or their past selves. Uh, giving them some advice, some tips, some pointers, things they want to remember either later on in life or what they would have wished somebody would have said to them years and years ago that they've learned through the years. So this is going to be a great show. You're going to want to tune in next week for that. So Dave, Kyle, and Todd, I really want to touch on some of the comments that Andrew had made in, in our interview. He had made a comment, and I'm wondering if you guys are seeing it, uh, Kyle and Todd, if you guys are seeing this, um, that guys today tend to act like boys later on in life instead of becoming men or if, or if that's just way off. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it drives me crazy too because, I mean, <laughs> I actually heard about this <laughs> this um, like cartoon strip or like a comedian do this um, skit um, about it. And there's this guy who's reading the newspaper and he looks at this ad and it says some statistic about a percentage, a great percentage of men – are still living at home in their mom's basement. And then the guy is like, huh, hey, mom, did you read this? <laughs> and it was like, it was really comical, but it yeah. made a point that is really, I mean, guys don't want to grow up. It kind of drives, it drives me crazy. What, what is an, when does somebody change from being an adolescent to an adult? When they realize that the world does not, in fact, revolve around them yep. and that we need, to, we need to look out for others. Do some people never realize that time? Some people never realize So some that. people never leave adolescence. They never. really believe the world revolves around them. Never. Hmm. Never. You know, that's kind of, of interesting. Hey, when, when you think about adolescence, it, that is the definition. 
um, when, when a young man or a young woman finally realizes that the world doesn't revolve around them. See, when, when you're a baby, you're born into the world and you have, you just kind of scream all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and you, whatever you want, you moan, you scream. Uh, have you ever experienced that kind of thing, Jeff, with a child where they just kind of let you have it because they want something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I mean, that's normal. And, and you don't even get mad right. at them because that's normal. Well, that no, age. my son can't talk yet. So right. he just, he speaks in yeah. more verbal yeah. so, <laughs> ways. So they will just do whatever because yeah. it's all right now about however they feel. I've yeah. had five yeah. younger siblings. I. It's all about how they feel. It happens. Mm-hmm. The trouble is when you're my age, if it's still all about what you feel, you're in trouble. You're supposed to grow out of that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, years ago, in the in the turn of the century, in 1900, uh, the normal young man at 13 left home, started working on the farm, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they became adults in many respects. And, and today, the normal adolescence is going to 30. So, so that just shows you what's going on. There, there's a little bit of a difference happening out there, and I'm not sure it's a healthy difference. Well, that's the culture, too. I think, I think that we're kind of been fed that not only it's all about us. I mean, with any commercial that you see, any TV show that you watch, it's not only all about us, but it's also about how long you want to please yourself. That's what you should actually do. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, every commercial that you watch, anything that you ever watch, any TV show you watch, it's all about the main character and all about how he feels about everything and all about him. So, I mean, when you make everything all about you, you're going to not want to ever grow up because work is hard. And life is hard, mm-hmm. so you just want to be young forever, and that's what I think causes people living at their parents' house forever because they they make it all about themselves and they don't want to do hard things. Yeah, yeah, it's also hard to realize that when you know, like Kyle, Todd, you guys, you've left home in Nicolay Bible, you're up at Silver Birch Ranch, and yet your parents, who have been married for a long time, have some things. They have a house. They have a you know, I mean, they have stuff. So many times, what what you think is, well, I need to start where I left off. No, you need to start where you start. Yeah. And, and normally that's with nothing. And you take years. It's okay for you to spend years getting to where your parents are today. That, that's okay. Because they had to do it. They had to do it. And so, you you know, the trouble, obviously, is you start having this mind frame of, well, how am I supposed to have cable and, and the new cars? And, the, and the, you know, I remember growing up, we had one black and white television that you had to get up and change the channel on. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, yeah. and now, yeah, eventually we got to, it was really funny. One time during the, uh, my dad told me one year, hey, I think maybe we can swing a color TV for the Rose Bowl parade. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? Oh, you know, as a kid, I was going, cool. Yeah. You know, a color one? Yeah. Cool. You know, and it's one of those things where I watched my parents develop like that, growing up in a very small home in Chicago, and, and that was fine. And then when I left the home, I didn't expect to start where I left off. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's even a struggle for me when I look at my life. I get stressed out sometimes, and it's like, wow, I got to do a lot of work to get to this point. And I think that that's when I start getting into the mindset of this world's all about the materials and all about how much I have, and I have to have as much as my parents had to be considered successful. And I think that's just a backward mindset of this um, society as well. It's not right. about So you're how much fighting you have. that mind frame. I mean, you, you yeah. understand it, and you're fighting it, oh, but it's, yeah. it's really there. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely there. I mean, there's days where I wake up and go, man, I got to go make money because I'm broke, and if I don't have any money, I'm not going to make it. 
and that's not true at all. Do you ever feel like you could take a credit card, slap it down just because you say, boy, I I really need to buy this coat and and slap it down and not have the money for it? No, no, not so much that. I want to work for it. I feel like I need need to make money so I can do things like that. Not so much spend money I don't have. How about you, Todd? Would you use a credit card if you don't have money? No, I no. don't. I don't have one. You guys are unusual. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, uh, yeah. that, that's good. I, I want all the other young people to I listen to you because, really, that's not the normal answer. I, yeah. I've heard more people say, you know, I, I bought a house, I maxed out on my mortgage and everything, so I just put all my furniture on my credit card. Yep. And, and I well, look at them think that's a disaster. Con- that would that would freak me yeah, out. My, that's a disaster. Like, my conscience would bug me. Like everything I yeah. have, I've paid for, and it took me a long time to save up for it, but. I value it a lot more now too because mm-hmm. I remember yeah. bailing hay to save up for it and stuff. So well, Stupid but there's hay. it's a difficult <laughs> thing for young adults to go through four years of college and then still have all the things. So the trends are actually where young people are are getting rid of the credit cards, which is interesting. Yes, um, but it, there's still a great percentage of young people that have debt, and I'm not I'm not talking education or even a car loan or something, but just consumer spending debt. I mean, our yeah. credit cards are maxed out with the got to have it, need to have it now. It doesn't matter if it's a necessity or if it's just a, a yeah. pleasure item. But Let me just share a couple of things from the old man perspective here. When you look, when young people, when you're thinking about money and assets and that kind of thing, think in two terms, either asset or liability. An asset is something that grows. A liability is something that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And here's what I find in your generation, Todd and, and Kyle. You're spending almost all your resources on liabilities, not on assets. And, and because of that, they're broke. For example, they like to go out to eat at a restaurant. That's a liability. Mm-hmm. They like to have cable television. That's a liability. They like to have a, a good smartphone, a great plan at 150 bucks a month. That's a liability. Mm-hmm. They, you, know, you, you could buy a car. That's a liability. So what, what you end up with is putting all this monthly money into something that doesn't come back to you. Now, what the generation, as you get older, the generation went before me, and the thing that I learned was if you're going to invest in something, invest in an asset. That's mm-hmm. something that will grow down yeah. the road. Yep. And, and that's different. And, and until that – see, the reason why your generation does that and what we're talking about is adolescence, the preoccupation with the present makes it like I need to go out to eat today even though I don't have the money. Well, it comes back to you. The food comes back to you just yeah. not the way you want it to. Really. And, and that's that, – that, <laughs> What's really interesting is that if we change our mind frame, if we would go and and say, look, I am going to think and make decisions about the future with the end in mind instead of just now in mind, everything changes. And that's what I encourage our listeners to do. It 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 would start to change towards manhood, womanhood, and getting out of the adolescent cage that you're in. Good thoughts tonight, you guys. We would love to hear from you as well. So remember, email us. Anytime, anytime during the week, you can podcast this show later on iTunes, also on our website, hopenet360.com. This coming Friday night, Project 86 at the Cup of Joy, and uh, then Saturday morning, 9.30 to noon, uh, Andrew Schwab will be at the Cup doing his 10 Soldiers event. So check that out. Get details on that show at hopenet360.com or go to cupofjoy.com as well. You get all the details on both of those events there in the Times and and all that good stuff. So uh, great show again tonight, you guys. Uh, Next week... We're going to be talking about the Dear Me letters, and I'm looking forward to this. So you'll definitely want to tune in to that show. So until I see you guys again, remember that God is a God of hope, and he wants to restore the broken pieces in your life, and he has a plan for you. So we'll see you guys online and next week on HopeNet Radio.